Hello and welcome to the Hero Live Show. My name is Paulie and today we have a very special guest on the show. Her name is Linda Lederman. Is that pronounced correctly? Letterman. Letterman, uh, as in David, but without the extra D. Yes. <laughs> um, and I actually said I have a brother, David, who gets all his phone calls returned. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Fantastic. <laughs> Linda has is a self-confessed uh uh, she started as a, a massive novice in the in the uh, kitchen and uh, a terrible cook, from what I understand, uh, Linda. But you transformed uh, over time and ended up going to culinary school and uh, are now a cooking coach in the sense that you are really, really uh, niched yourself around being able to guide young families and growing families to be able to create a fun entertaining and also um, an environment with food that um, is not just boring, but is quite dynamic. Absolutely. Welcome to the show, Linda. Thanks. So happy to be here. So tell us a little bit about your experience and your, your, your the past in uh, your relationship with food and how it's developed over time. Sure. When I was in high school, way back when, I told my mother and the, Stop me if I can't say this word. I told her that her cooking sucked. Um, (laughs) And she said, okay, smart acts, um, I'm going to buy you a cooking book. And once a week, it's going to be your job to pick out a recipe and cook it. Tell me the ingredients and I'll cook it. Well, the pressure was on because if I'm telling her she's boring, it means I've got to do something really interesting and exotic. And I had no clue what I was doing. So the first time I, I picked a recipe, I picked Swedish meatballs. I know nothing about Swedish food, let alone Swedish meatballs, but I cooked it and it was awful, just awful. My my brothers and my parents said, okay, you know, beginner's bad luck. Next week I cooked veal cordon bleu. I had no idea. And my cookbook had no pictures. Disaster. By the third time I cooked something, I was banned from cooking in my house. (laughs) Banned. They just didn't want to touch anything. And instead of feeling defeated, I said, game on. And that's the attitude I try to teach my clients. Well, it's only food. You can get better at it, you know? And so then I took it upon myself to take cooking classes, go to culinary schools. And I had another career. I was a lawyer as I, in my younger years. But it was very important to me to get a skill where I could have friends over and feel comfortable and just have a warm and welcoming place. And as I started having kids... My kids' friends would come over and they'd have sleepovers and be staying over for dinner. And they'd go, my mom doesn't cook like this. We don't have games at the table. You know, where is this coming from? And I would watch my kids and they'd be going to, let's say they were playing t-ball or little baseball when they were little after school. And parents would be bringing their kids takeout sandwiches for dinner and they'd be eating it in the car and it would break my heart. So when the kids said, my parents don't do this, can you teach them? That light bulb went off in my head. And there's so many reasons why I think it's important. You know, the studies show that if you have sit down family meals, your kids are going to do better in school. They have better communication skills, better social skills, less likely to use uh, abuse substances. And you get to have fun. And we're so busy in our lives right now. When do we sit down and take time to enjoy our family? So Make an atmosphere where you can just sit down. Everybody can be themselves. And the worst thing you can do is after a long day, look at your kids and say, how was school? Fine. What'd you learn? Nothing. 
boom, it's you're done. So I try to do it as a like a holistic package, you know, make something that's delicious, not hard to do, and serve it with fun and games at the table. And my business is called Balabusta Secret. And it's an old fashioned Yiddish term. A balabusta is a woman who makes a fine home. And it's not a Martha Stewart home. It's the home where it's welcoming and everybody wants to be there. They want to put their feet up on the hessocks. They want to have good food, great conversation, and share a lot of love and laughter and make a lot of memories. And if you don't do it now for your kids, how are they going to learn that skill to do it for their families? And it's such an important thing to have in your life. Why wouldn't you want to do it? I love that, Linda. And I love what you and your uh, your business is all about because I feel like we're entering uh, and we have entered a, a time in the world where there's a lot of division um, out there in the greater world, but also within the family. If we're not careful, it can continue to divide us as individuals under the same roof. Your, your son will be on his iPad, your daughter will be uh, also on her iPhone or, or something like that whilst uh, eating individually in their own separate isolated worlds. And I feel like historically um, as a tribe of uh, humans growing up, we ha- we made it our focus to, to really uh, hunt and gather and at the end of the day, uh, we all sat around the campfire or we made a meal and that was the time where our families and our tribe got together to be able to discuss the day's events and to be able to connect with one another on a human level, on a social level. And if we're not careful, that can really be uh, taken away from us. Uh, and it's our, it's our responsibility to, as parents in the household, to be able to bring that back into the spotlight, into the focus. So I think what you are doing and the skills that you are teaching through this Bella Busta uh, cooking uh, uh, school is something that is an incredibly useful, powerful, but really important part culturally. And, and, and it, bottom line, it makes you feel good. You know, yeah. it makes your family feel good. And there's so few times where you can just like say, wow, this is what it's all about. Because we are going at such a warp speed, probably much faster and much harder than the generations before us. And we don't take the time to just enjoy what you have at the moment. And you want to create those memories. It's it's those things you can tell in your old age and embarrass your siblings about. Um, You have to make those memories. So let's get practical for a moment here, Linda. You you talk about games that you... uh had played with your your children and in your family atmosphere where other kids would come in and they'd be envious of what was going on. Can you take us through a few examples of um, what you guys had done at your dinner table and that can really spark some, some attention from people that are listening to this? Absolutely. I'm going to fast forward for one second. Though. Sure. So I have a son now who is 19 and in college and a daughter who's 16. And when their friends come over and they have dinner, I always say to them, Max and Abby tell you we play games at the dinner table. And mind you, these are not little kids anymore. And they say yes. And I said, do they tell you you have to participate? And they say yes. And it's the best way to get to know people. Because now you're not saying, what are you doing in school? What are you doing after school? What do you want to be when you grow up? All those questions that are just wrote and you're not getting any information. So I'll give you some examples of what you can do with young kids, any age kids. So... um, There's a silly holiday for almost every day of the year. 
and you can make a dinner based on that holiday and make questions around it. So I'll give you an example. So there was a, there's a town in California that had a marketing agency there for maybe 20 years. And on top of the building, they had this huge statue. The bottom part was a man, like a giant, and the top was a chicken head. Ugliest thing on the planet. You know, it's like the laughing stock. When the marketing company decided to move on, somebody bought the building and wanted to take down the statue. Well, all of a sudden, the town said, no, no, we love that hideous chicken boy. Mm -hmm. And they bought the, the statue and put it in a park, and they made Chicken Boy Day. So that's September 5th. So come beginning of September, if I'm working with somebody and they have kids, and I'll say, it's a Chicken Boy Day coming up. So I'll give them a couple ideas for recipes. And then I'll say, let me give you some ideas of conversation you can have at your table. You can say, depending on the age of your kid, what toy did you have as a kid that you never want to give up and why? If you were half human and half animal, what would you be? What would your powers be? Why would it be? And all of a sudden, imaginations are going boom, 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 boom. And your kids are getting creative and they're thinking and you've learned what, what's interesting to them. So that's one thing, you know, I, I have calendars where you have interesting days for you to plot what you want to make with conversations. Another thing, a game that you can do is um, a game called headbands. And you don't need any special equipment. You could buy the game, but you don't need to. You can take an um, a index card and write a word on it. And if your kids are too little to read, put a picture on it. And the person who is it holds the card up like this. They don't get to see what the picture is. Let's say it was an apple. They have to ask questions to the people at the table to guess what the picture is on the card that they're holding up. So you could say, is it bigger than a house? Is it, you know, whatever question, is it red? Is it blue? You know, do I, do I like it? Do I own it? And it, it teaches your kids logic, you know, thinking skills to get to the answer. And you're laughing hysterically coming up with, you know, the questions and the guesses that whoever's it is trying to, to come up with. So there's a lot of easy, easy games you can play. You can do round robin stories where somebody starts the story once upon a time, there was a green giant named Weber. And you say a couple lines, and then the next person adds to the story, and the next person. And there's a million things like that that you can do at the dinner table where you're really getting to know everybody, and you are laughing, and you're having fun. Love it. And that, uh, to me, uh, just is so powerful because it elicits and it opens up that part of the mind that we're, we, we appear to have been suppressing for so long. It's that, that magical kind of creative spark that is so alive in little children. But more than just eliciting it in your children, if you're participating in it as a part of parenthood, you're probably opening up a part of your mind that has been dormant for so many years because we've been in that kind of rut of that eight to six kind of smashing it out in that rational kind of headspace so if you can as a parent be able to open up that door that's just been dusted off over so many years all of a sudden you're becoming alive as well and as a result of that the dynamic in between you and your children are just going to is just going to explode right absolutely and, and one of the things that it helps as a an added bonus if you're having fun at the dinner table, your kids are not going to be picky eaters because they want to come down to dinner. You're not having that struggle of, I don't eat broccoli or I won't eat this or I only eat red food, whatever it is, you know, because kids have, they go through stages 
And instead of having that rock'em sock'em robot fight at dinner time where everybody's miserable, you can distract them. And if you're laughing and having fun, they're going to be less tense about the foods they're eating because it's just a good time. I love that. And uh, it makes so much sense. And to me, there's, there's also the added benefit of if you and your children are having fun, you're eliciting certain chemical reactions inside of your body and your brain as you're digesting your food. And there's been a lot of science and studies out there to, to, to suggest and back up that if you are thinking positive thoughts, if you are eliciting that kind of positive behavior, you're going to have a positive influence on the digestion of the food that is going into your mouth through your system as well. It totally makes a lot of sense. It's, well, it's a win-win no matter how you look at it. Yeah, I love it. So, so many of us sit in front of um, work, uh, you know, especially um, those of us that have very demanding jobs. They'll sit in front of their, even, even at dinner time, you know, they'll sit in front of their computers and be doing data analysis or, or whatever it might be. And could you imagine the amount of, could you imagine the chemical um, response that's going on in your body as you're eating that food? It's going to be a very drab, it's going to be an incredibly um, unproductive uh, digestive pattern for your body to be able to go through as opposed to having fun like what you're saying. So I love that. Um, I'd love to talk a, a little bit more about like the practicalities of food preparation and how you've found in your experience has made it fun to be able to kind of and, and appealing to make it um, um, kind of easy, simple, but also, as I said, like attractive to, to your children and your family. Sure. There's many, if, if you're trying to engage your kids in the process, you know, I, I'm a big believer that let them help you in the kitchen, even if it's going to make a mess at a young age, because you want them to feel comfortable in the kitchen. You want them to have the skills. You want them to be able to cook for themselves at every stage of their life, um, because then they can make healthy choices. They can make smart choices. So I encourage people to work with their kids, even if it's a small thing, like cutting the lettuce with their hands for a salad. But another thing that I like to do is if, if you're working with young kids is take them to the grocery store, or the farmer's market and say, pick something out we've never had before. And let's ask the farmer market vendor or somebody in the grocery store or the person buying it next to you, what are you going to do with that? How could I cook that? And then try something, you know, so you're opening up, you're not just making the same thing every time. You're trying to add a little variety. And I know that takes effort. And I'm not saying every meal has got to be something new under the sun because nobody's got the time or the desire for it. But <laughs> if you're looking to shake up them things, that's a great way to add variety into your diet. You know, of course, you can look up recipes. You can work with me and I'll give you a, I have a service where I do meal planning and I'll give you the recipes for the week, the grocery list um, and the meal plan. And then you just have to follow it. But I can also teach you how to do that on your own. Right. And in terms of making it fun for yourself, it's just a question of being organized. You know, if you have the right staples in your pantry, the right staples in your refrigerator, the right staples in your freezer, and you know how to use them, you should be able to whip up anything very quickly. You know, even if you forgot to meal plan, if you have the ingredients and know what to do with them, it's not very difficult to cook up something quick and delicious. And I, that's one of the things that I teach people how to do because, you know, you could have something in your pantry for three years and it's sitting there because you have no idea how to use it up or you bought it for one recipe and you don't know what else to use it for. And 
find out, you know? So one thing is knowing what you have, what you need and how to use it. That's a good start. Knowing what your calendar is. If you see on your calendar that you've got a lot of after work activities that you have to do, or a lot of things you have to take your kids to after school, don't plan on making a really long intensive meal that night. Mm. You know, it's don't, don't be your worst enemy. Mm. You know, know when your time crunch happens. Another thing you can do that's a great time saver is batch cooking. And what that means is you make more than what you need of a particular part of your meal. And an easy example of that is let's say we're doing rice. So let's say I'm making a chicken tiki masala. You don't have to make it from scratch. We have a a store called Trader Joe's here. I don't know what kind of stores you would have, but you can buy all kinds of tiki masala sauces that are healthy, or you can make it from scratch. But if you take chicken tenders, if you eat meat, um, and saute them with some ginger and garlic, um, some tomatoes and onions, and add your tiki masala sauce, it's done in 15 minutes. Mm. So with that, you're going to make a big batch of rice. Mm-hmm. Because it's a nice compliment to it. And, you know, if you want to be really sneaky, you can throw some spinach in that tikka masala and get your vegetable in, in one pot. But if you're making a big pot of rice to go with it, take your leftover rice. And the next day you can make fried rice with, let's say, grilled shrimp. Because the trick of making fried rice is your rice has to be a day old. So make it in advance and make it once instead of twice. Mm-hmm. So now it's just grilling up your shrimp or baking them, or sautéing them, five minutes, your dinner's done. You already had the rice. Make it into fried rice. Simple. And you're not resenting having to cook. Because now you actually have a a plan. You have a method to your madness. And it's really going to taste great. You know, so it's kind of a win-win all around. I'm a big fan of what you're talking about there with the batch cooking. And me and my my wife have been doing that for for years now. Because at any which time, we're both working full-time. And... You know, nowadays a lot of uh, you know a, a, lo- a lot of mums and dads are working full time, so to be able to have that batch cooking kind of um, weapon in your in your sleeve is a really 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 good one. Can you give us another example of what uh, batch cooking might look like? Uh, sure, I make a dish called um, spicy Asian meatballs. Mm. Now you can make it. I usually use it with ground turkey, but you can use it with meat. You can use it with ground chicken. Whatever protein that you want. You can probably use it with ground uh, crumpled tofu if you want, but you probably need a little bit of a better binder in it. Mm -hmm. But to make the meatballs, I I use a little lemongrass. If you don't have that, you can use lemon zest Um, and some Asian seasonings, a little ginger, a little garlic, some scallion, some soy sauce, a drop of sesame oil. Pretty much it. We like it spicy. We put in guac chong sauce. You can put a sriracha in it, you know, Mm -hmm. depending on your family's taste. And you make these meatballs. I bake them because I don't want to clean the splatter that meatballs make when you put them on the stove. I, I, cut, to, cut to the chase. Put them in the oven. They bake in 15 minutes. I mean, really, really quick. Mm. So one night, let's say I'm going to serve that with rice noodles. I don't know if you're familiar with rice noodles, but yeah. all you do to cook them is pour boiling water on them. Easy. You know, fast. You know, you can nuke the water and put the noodles in it if you really want fast. And I'll bake a, a pad thai sauce, which is just peanut butter, Ginger, garlic, a little soy sauce, a little sesame oil. Um, And I would make it a little lighter by putting some orange juice in it. Just stir it. Put it on it. You're you're done. Great meal. Under a half hour, everything's on the table. The next night, if I was lucky enough to have leftover meatballs, I might crumple them up, take a lettuce leaf, 
put a little hoisin sauce in it. You can buy that at most grocery stores. And now you have a lettuce wrap. Yeah. Crumpled up meatballs. You're not making meatballs again. Mm. You know, your main dish part is done and how you're serving it and changing the flavor profile is the only thing that's different. Mm. And you're done in minutes because you're already done. Yeah, it's great. And it looks different to your children as well. Yep. And that's a massive thing because you're right. You know, kids are catch on to these types of things. Meatballs again. Yeah. That's it. You know, you could even take that same meatball and, and, or if you're, uh, if you're making Italian meatballs, you make your meatballs one night for your Italian pasta, what you're doing, and then crumple it up and make stuffed peppers with um, a taco seasoning in it and melt cheddar cheese on it for the next night. Totally, totally different ethnic dish, totally everything. Those meatballs are easily adaptable to something else. Yeah, love that. Just so, so you've given me two examples here of uh, using like like a starchy carb as the um, the thing that is batched and can be uh, added to various different meals. And then the second example was the protein that can be batched and added to different meals, which is perfect. And that's a really, really great example of what kind of flexibility uh, mums and dads can have when it comes to preparing for the entire meal ahead. Um, anything else that comes to mind when it comes to really, really making the uh, – the meals at home, a more attractive process for the family? Um, You eat with your eyes. You know, that's the first thing you do. So think about color when you're cooking. You know, they say eat the rainbow because that's healthy for you to begin with. But don't make a dish that's all white. Don't make a white fish served on white rice with white asparagus. You know, I mean, that's not really going to be attractive to anybody. Um, So think of your color. You know, throw a couple of fresh herbs on it. You know, there's so many little things you can do to make your dish mm-hmm. pretty. Put it in mm-hmm. something that you wouldn't normally think. Maybe some mandarin orange slices on a piece of fish, you know, or in your salad, throw in some pomegranate seeds, something that's going to be fun to eat. I mean, pomegranate seeds pop in your mouth and it's like, woo, you know, it's fun. So you can add those little things um, and make it easy. You can also do, if you want to make something easy, um, if you're doing a taco night, a lot of people like to do a taco Tuesday. So I, I recommend a couple of things. Don't make the same kind of taco every Tuesday. That is, to me, boring and routine, and I can't do it. But you can make fish tacos. You can make shrimp tacos. You can make pulled pork tacos. You can make tempeh or tofu tacos. Mm-hmm. You know, whatever protein that you want to make, change it up. Sometimes, you know, put a salsa in it. Make a Mexican coleslaw. You know, you can change it up and still know that, okay, I'm making tacos on Tuesday. And you can make, if you have a lazy Susan or a big platter, I like to take all my fixings and put them on a big platter and have my family make their own. You know, I have a big bowl of whatever my protein was. I've got my taco shells or tortilla shells, whatever I'm going to be doing. And then they put together what they want and it's creative and it's fun. You could do contests. Who's got the wackiest things in there? Who's got the biggest one? You, you just use your imagination. Love it. That's so great. Um, look, all of this information has been so wonderful. And I want to thank you so much for coming on here and really just giving us some amazing tools to be able to uh, apply to our family and our household and just our everyday life. Um, where can uh, the people listening to this find out more about what it is that you do? Sure. I have a website called Balabusta's Secret. It's B-A-L-A-B-O-O-S-T-A-S dot com. 
Uh, you can get on touch with me there. I'm on Facebook, Balabusta's Secret. I also have a Facebook group for easy weeknight cooking for busy moms, but dads are welcome. I also have a, a handout for the people who are listening called Quick Dinner Time Sanity Saving Tips. Right. And if you sign up for that, you'll be on my newsletter. And so you'll be able to get in touch with me. You'll have my email that way. And you can stay up on the latest stuff. You'll know how you can work with me and all those wonderful things. And I'll make sure that all that information is put into the show notes so everybody has access to it. So it's just a bit of a copy and paste situation. Um, Linda, thank you so much for taking the time. And uh, I know, what time is it over there in Connecticut? It is uh, 10 to 8 at night. 10 to 8. So it's probably bang in the middle of middle uh, dinner time. Hopefully you got an early dinner in. Uh, no, we haven't had dinner yet, but I'm going to whip one up really quickly when I get off of this. <laughs> okay, what, what have you got planned for tonight? So I've got a pork chop that's been pork chops marinated in a cilantro lime sauce. Mm. And I'm going to grill that up and I'm going to serve it with couscous with feta and uh, roasted kale. With garlic. Delicious. And, and it'll be done in 15 minutes. Amazing. Well, uh, you're, you're very skilled and you've developed a little bit of an art form and a niche that I'm sure so many mums and dads um, can value and really see the value of. So thank you once again so much for your time. Oh, it's been a real pleasure. Thank Thanks. you so much.